0: It's Spooky Saturday! Saturday is my favorite day of the week. You have toiled, suffered, struggled all week long, and now you're here to get the chills, thrills, and everything in between, from pop culture, cryptids, to history. I'm your local ghost host with the most, Devin Ray. Now, let's get spooky, shall we? It's Spooky Saturday! Woo! <laughs> it's spooky Saturday It's spooky Saturday It's Wookiee Saturday Hey 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 Hi hey hello it's me Devin Ray Your ghost host with most bringing you the chills and thrills Every single Saturday And I'm joined by the My own personal force demon To lead me astray Scott Keel How are you doing Scott Keel? <laughs> I'm good <laughs> I'm good We are back 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 again With another episode of the with Ki um, where we go through every single movie referenced or homage in cabin in the woods and we are currently on the whiteboard as we have been for almost the past year
1: um <laughs> and shorthand kit waku cabin in, cabin the, in woods the woods cinematic universe, universe. Uh, hence watching all of the things that are referenced and homaged in cabin in the woods thank you you're welcome thank you yeah
0: so last week, we Gremlins had Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2, Dismemberment
1: Goblins. At least I think that's where we are yeah. in the timeline of reality. Yeah.
0: And this week, we had the Sugar Plum, Sugar Plum Fairy, which we did not watch a movie about the Sugar Plum Fairy, but the Sugar Plum Fairy was designed after the creatures of Guillermo del Toro. So we watched Guillermo del Toro's masterpiece,
1: Pan's Labyrinth.
0: Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Yes. A fantastic movie, one of my personal favorites from 2006, um, that had a budget of, I think, $13.9 million and came in in the box office at $83 million. Wow. So.
1: impresivo.
0: In- si, sí, muy impresivo. <laughs> uh, it's funny, because, okay, we'll start there. So, it's in America, in we call it Pan's Labyrinth, but that is not the title of the movie. The title of the movie is The Labyrinth of the Fawn.
1: Labyrinth of the Fawn.
0: So, and Guillermo del Toro made it very clear that the fawn that we meet in Pan's Labyrinth is just a fawn and is not Pan. Right. Because he was like, Are you, I'm not writing a fairy tale where Pan interacts with a 10-year-old girl. Right. That guy is way too sexual. Yeah, Fuck in- that inappropriate inappropriate this is a horror movie but in in a in a odd sense like real world horrors but more of a dark fantasy
1: would yeah.
0: you
1: say yeah it, it is horrific mm-hmm. but it's it's hard to classify it as a true horror movie
0: yeah, horrible things happen Graf- scary things graphic things happen
1: like Horrible and scary things happen Mm -hmm. graphically, Mm -hmm. brutally.
0: And the horrors are the horrors of the world. But
1: not. I would say the more horrific. Well,
0: also, but high fantasy horror. Yeah. There's monsters that
1: are. But I would say that the real things that happen are more horrific than the monster things that happen.
0: Hence, it being a brilliant movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's your experience with this movie?
1: I've seen it twice before this round. Okay. So this was number three. Okay. And the first time I saw it, it was very young. Mm hmm. And.
0: Younger. It's not like you were a child because was it wasn't available.
1: When did it come out?
0: 2006. I was
1: not yet an adult. Almost. I guess Legally, I was depending on when it came out in 2006
0: 2006 2007 okay but you watched it on streaming yeah so it had to be 2007 yeah so you were definitely an, an old enough to be enlisted into the army i was
1: still a little idiot <laughs> and did not retain or have the desire to retain what this movie had to offer on my first viewing um I also wasn't super into horror, particularly the horrific nature of things. Mm-hmm. And so the... Brute... Well, you
0: still don't like graphic, graphic stuff.
1: Yeah, I ideally, no. I like the impression of it more than the uh, graphic nature of it. Fair. It's so, I mean, the, basically, like, everything about it kind of just turned me off. Mm. when i first watched it Mm. and when he beat that dude's face in with a wine bottle i was just done
0: it's one of my favorite guillermo del toro stories said he was outside of a bar he saw somebody get their face clubbed in by a bottle so he put it in this movie would you like to hear a fun fact about this movie there's a lot of them but let's start with just this one so guillermo del toro started working on he makes journals sketchbook journals for all of his movies that he writes okay so he had he started working on the sketchbook journal for pan's labyrinth or the labyrinth of the fun uh in 1993 and he lost it in a taxi cab and so he was like well i'm I'm obviously not meant to make that movie right and then seven years later it was returned to him and he went well this is a sign that i have to make this movie
1: that's crazy
0: so he started working on it, and furthermore, that he brought the idea to people to finance it, and they were like, "Oh, well, okay, <laughs> How about this though? Well, you can make the movie. We'll give you double this budget if you make it in English
1: and, and he, he said, "No, no,
0: absolutely not, therefore." ipso facto guillermo del tor didn't get paid anything for this movie he used his whole salary to pay for it wow which and is why the budget is so
1: relatively and you low. got an oscar for it right
0: it was nominated okay. it was the only picture that wasn't nominated for best picture that was nominated for best original screenplay wow yeah
1: and it is a great picture
0: it is Seeing the other fucking movies that come out, that get nominated for it, I'm like, it is a slap in the face. Which only reaffirms to me that it is a horror movie, because the Academy famously hates them. like horror movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it... I mean, like, the... I would say pretty much all of the violence in this movie is deliberately put on full display
0: there if there's anything that you can glean from guillermo del toro is that he hates fascism yes and he will make it as horrifically real as possible yeah this is a sequel movie did you know that i didn't it's um a tangential sequel to the devil's backbone which is also about the rise of fascism in the Spanish Civil War in Spain, hmm. and according to Guillermo del Toro, I don't. You have probably haven't seen The Devil's Backbone, Mm-mm. but it's about a bunch of boys. There's a bomb that lands outside. It's a whole thing. There's ghosts. It's there's beautiful sequences. I'm not going to get into it, but <laughs> all of the boys in this group of them end up being. There's a a, a scene about. Maybe two-thirds of the way through where a bunch of uh, rogue guerrilla soldiers get killed in the woods. Guillermo de Toro has stated that the soldiers that get killed in the woods are the boys from The Devil's Backbone. Okay. So it's the same universe, it's the same area. He has not made the third movie in the planned trilogy of this story.
1: Oh, wow. hmm Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right.
0: I love the use of fantastical creatures to elaborate on the world that we know. So. Yes. Yes. Changing gears.
1: Not necessarily. Okay. In watching this movie this time around. I had to ask myself... Is this movie fantastical? Mm.
0: That's the question.
1: Because... You would think... I don't know, based on everything that you do see... Mm -hmm. That it's a fantasy movie. Mm -hmm. But given certain moments... You might be keen to interpret that this is a traumatized little girl mm-hmm. who is disassociating mm-hmm. heavily. Mm-hmm.
0: And trying to make sense of her. It's what that dark Harry Potter theory, right? That exactly. Harry, never, Harry
1: left. never left the, the Dursleys. He's yeah. just dis- completely disassociated. Yeah. Um,
0: and it's entirely possible. that is That is, I think, the realist and uh, pessimist outlook on this movie is that nothing that Ophelia sees is real.
1: And I think the only thing the only, the only thing that tells me that that might be the case is that the last thing that we see from, from Ophelia's point of view mm-hmm. is death. Hmm. Not the kingdom that she's in. No. The, our world. Right. And so... I agree that it is the realist pessimist view, but it seems like Guillermo del Toro might be encouraging that view.
0: I think it's all in the way that you want to see it. Hmm. Because, so... Th- Sorry, if you haven't seen *Pan's Labyrinth*.
1: Oh God, spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Ophelia is a little girl who goes to the Spanish countryside with her mother after her mother has newly married um, and is very pregnant. A very pregnant, and she's very pregnant. The c- a captain of of the this fascist sect regime in the Spanish Civil War, and he's trying to squash opposition um and she finds fairies she finds a labyrinth that has a fawn in it hence the the labyrinth of the fawn pan's labyrinth um who charges her with three tasks because she is the vessel of the soul of the daughter of the underworld who escaped many centuries ago um
1: it was so succinct the vessel of the soul of the daughter of the underworld are you making
0: fun of me? Or are no. You, no. Okay. Yes. Not at all. It was so clear. Okay. Well done.
1: <laughs>
0: I thought I love this movie so much. Um and she has to complete the three tasks. Yes. Very it's a fairy tale.
1: It's very much a fairy tale. And, and the three tasks are getting a key out of the stomach of a giant toad. Mm-hmm. Uh getting a knife? A knife out of a room guarded by the Pale Man. The Pale Man, which, even if you haven't seen this movie, you you know you know, who you the know pale about man the Pale Man. Is. And the third task is to to get her to get the an innocent into the center of the labyrinth to be sacrificed to open the to
0: portal. Open the portal, so she can go to the underworld.
1: Yes, but she doesn't know that that's what's happening in the third Mm-mm. task. She just knows she has to bring her baby brother. To the center of the labyrinth.
0: Right. Where she does spill the blood of an innocent. But she is the innocent. Yes. Um, And what I I love about this particular kind of fairy tale. Is it's very much in line with the old way. Before the Disneyfication of fairy tales. Is that it is. uh, Bittersweet. And. Kind of. It's a cautionary tale. But at the same time. It's like. The world is sad. Mm -hmm. So fairy tales, a lot of original fairy tales are sad. Um, And they teach a lesson in whatever way. So.
1: (laughs) So at the end, Ophelia is laying on the ground, dripping her life's blood Mm -hmm. into the labyrinth, Mm -hmm. which opens the portal not really, or maybe really. We don't know. It's a yeah. portal to
0: the underworld, so it would make I sense. I guess it that is a
1: portal to the underworld, so she is going to. She would the, have to die. She was. She's dying her, her either way.
0: Ophelia's body would have to die. The okay. soul is returned. In
1: that. Pr- now that I. Full circling here, mm-hmm. because she is the vessel of the soul of the daughter of the underworld. Mm-hmm. Either way, she's got to die to get to get the, the soul back to the, the underworld. underworld. Yes. Okay. Then, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. That's a happy ending yeah. of sorts. Sad, happy ending. Well,
0: also, Ophelia, as as a human, has already lost her father. Her father is dead.
1: She's lost her mother. Her mother
0: has just died. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the first time that I saw this movie, <laughs> there was a art house theater um, Here we go. Relatively close to my house that I went to quite often. And they were showing Pan's Labyrinth. And I was dating this guy at the time. hmm Yep. And I was like, I'm not going to say his name. Buddy, I really want to go on a date to see this movie. I think it's going to be really beautiful and everything that I want to see. Because I'm am a, I'm an 80s fantasy kid. Yep. Like... We might disagree on some of them, but we're both Dark Crystal kids. Yep. Definitely a never-ending story kid and a labyrinth kid. I like that. I like the fantasy. And this looked like, and I'd already seen The Devil's Backbone. And I was, I'd already seen Kronos, but we're not going to talk about that. Anyway, doesn't matter. I was like, I, this is all I want is to go on a date to see this movie. And he was like, okay, fine. Sure. We'll go. He's not a very culturally enlightened boy. (laughs) And we sit down and the movie starts and it's like many, many years ago, but it's in Spanish. And there's subtitles. And he looks at me and he goes, am I going to have to read the whole time? Wow. And I was like, no, you can leave. (laughs) And he's like, no, I'm not going to leave. I'll watch it. And then maybe I think 30 minutes later, he got up and he left. Wow. Um, and I was like, I didn't care. I was in love with this fucking movie. It right. was everything that I wanted. It was beautiful and sad and fantasy. And there were fairies. And I love fucking fairies. And like, I was just all about it. And I was like, yeah. you could, you could go. Yeah. You can b- buy
1: Booba. Bye-bye.
0: Um and the second I could buy it on DVD, I bought it on DVD, which is and I still have it. Yep. Obviously. Yep. We we watched it on my DVD that has all the unskippable trailers from 2007 on it.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> so many trailers. So many trailers from a bygone era.
0: Yeah, I mean. So, I think you could theoretically, if you wanted to, cut out all of Ophelia's stuff from this movie and have a war movie. Yes. There's a lot. Yes. There's a lot that Ophelia's not a party to.
1: Yes. Um, That's really true.
0: I'd say even more so than most of the movies that Carmel del Toro works on. Like, there's he That always probably
1: also bit- had a lot to do with why my little mind, first time watching it, had a struggle with yeah. this movie. It's not...
0: It's not evenly balanced, and it's not...
1: No. You don't really know what you're necessarily supposed to focus on. And when I was at the time, I thought that, you know, movies had to work a certain way.
0: Right. But now...
1: I was uneducated.
0: Well, I mean, also... Foreign storytelling is difficult. It is. Um, Especially, like, I... Feel very blessed in that I experienced so many different because I'm a big horror junkie
1: that Which means that you watched a lot of foreign films. I watch
0: I've watched a lot of foreign films. Yeah. Um and different kinds of cinema. And cinema. Yeah. Different kinds of storytelling and different cultures and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Also, another thing. I'm from Texas, so I heard Spanish a lot. And like now, The funny thing is there's two like, so when Guillermo del Toro went to go film this on location in Spain, Doug Jones is the only American, Guillermo del Toro is the only bilingual person, um <laughs> and the Spanish actors that or the Spanish casting director, um, he hired Guillermo del Toro hired a pretty moderately famous Spanish comedian to play Captain Vidal, the the captain. Yes. And the casting director is like, he can't do it. He's a comedian. Oh, what? And he's like, y- you don't know because you're Mexican and not Spanish <gasps> that he's not serious. And Guillermo del Toro's like, I don't care. Here's the best thing. I don't know. So I'm going to keep doing it. Thank yeah. you. Goodbye. Yeah. Um. And... He also originally wrote Ophelia to be like an eight year old girl, but uh the actress that came in who ended up playing Ophelia, he was like, Oh Perfect. no, she's she's amazing. Yeah. Uh and she is pretty great. Yeah. Um still a child actor, but whatever. Yeah. Uh what other fun facts do I know about this? <laughs> Guillermo del Toro also Wrote out all of the subtitles for this movie because he doesn't trust translators. Good for him. Um, I think he still does that.
1: Yeah.
0: Writes his own subtitles because he is bilingual. Um, And because and I'm hearing, knowing the Spanish that I know, and watching it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because you could translate that as something different.
1: Right. You were listening to it and you would hear words and you'd be like, I didn't see that word in the translation, Mm -hmm. but. When I think about what it means to have that word included. The translation might actually be clearer.
0: Yes. And telling the story that he wants to tell. Yeah. Um. This is. I think this is. This is the moment. This is the moment that I fell in love with Doug Jones. <laughs> 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 because. Of just. How good his character work is monster work i don't like a lot of people say hocus pocus or hellboy for doug jones
1: no i think this
0: but this is i mean this is this is also doug jones also says that the fawn is the most comfortable costume he's ever worn because it's in so many different parts
1: well he didn't just do the fawn
0: no but he's saying the the fawn is yeah. like he also did the pale man. Yeah. Um, There's so much so much symbolism in this movie like boom boom boom. I'm going to try not to talk the whole time and to make it a conversation and not a monologue. But like Ophelia almost exclusively wears green because she is of nature and when she's around magical elements the settings around her are round. But when she is in the real world, everything is like straight and angular to some extent. Wow. Um, I said it when we were watching it this time that the captain's office is set up in the mill works, but it looks like the interior of the clock that he carries around, the watch that he carries around. So he is
1: in the clock. So he
0: is all. He has never left. And this is the focus of the captain is that. He's obsessed with the fact that his when his father died, he smashed his pocket watch so his son would always know what time he died at. And this is an all-consuming thought for him and haunts him and is a big indicator of how trauma leads you to inflict more trauma, generational trauma, and that yep. sort of thing. Um,
1: and he tries to, with his son... He tries to repeat that cycle and they're like, nope. You know,
0: he's not even gonna fucking know your name, bro. Boom. Boom. Um, the... It's, it's all so good, so thoughtful, and like, I don't know, man, I just fucking love it. Um, (laughs) The whole score is based around one lullaby.
1: Yep. I did notice that.
0: Um, that Mercedes can't remember the words to.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So she just hums it. So she
0: just hums it.
1: I'm just thinking about all of the little things that like go unexplained. Like she puts the eye in the statue at the beginning.
0: Well, okay. So she puts the eye into the statue at the beginning. And then the story ends with she left pieces of herself around the world if you only knew where to look. So it's the first test to see if... The soul of the daughter of the underworld was about if she could even see the rock and the ground and recognize that it was something that needed to be completed. Huh. It's like she doesn't see the fairies until she does that.
1: Right. That's what and I'm... the
0: fawn is the guard of that portal. The last portal.
1: The last portal. Uh, OK.
0: So it's like and he's been there for a very long time.
1: Yes. Waiting. He's been chilling.
0: So, that's the first test, really. Is she... It's like the... Oh, the
1: signifier. Is she the princess? Is she
0: the princess? And so, she starts the game that way. But also, and we talked about it a little bit, is that, like, these tests are also built around... The test is not the test for a lot of them. The first test with the toad is you You have to get the key. Yeah. You have to. But... What comes with it, and it's another, it ties back into the fascism thing. There's a big question of following orders. Yep. And so we see Ophelia, like, purposefully um, show conscious
1: disobedience. um, In the second test. In
0: the second test.
1: I didn't quite understand the point of that.
0: The point of the second
1: test? Being disobedient in the second test. Well, only because it resulted in the little fairies' deaths, which they didn't really die, I guess. Or if they no, they didn't really die.
0: They didn't really die. And I don't think that that was the point of the test was conscious disobedience. There, I think she had to show conscious disobedience so that the fully realized symbolism of the pale man could be illustrated. It was more for us as a storytelling point less for her as a character trying to achieve that goal because the pale man who symbolism talk is he's a symbol for the fascist regime it's that constantly hungry constantly greedy food full at the table but nobody can eat eating children like and also modeled after a a bastardization of the symbol of stigmata and so religious institutions um being okay. a party to fascist uh ascension basically
1: um and y'all getting like a mini little ted talk film i'm so here. sorry no it, <laughs> that's that's, I'm, that's not a criticism that's not a criticism. I'm sorry, y'all getting this shit for free? <laughs> getting a little film class, <laughs> film studies with Devin Ray, featuring the labyrinth of the Fawn. The
0: labyrinth of the Fawn. Yeah, I mean a
1: deep dive analysis into the symbolic structures of fascism and.
0: Well, so yeah, if you look at the character design of the pale man, which is, I mean, it's like Pyramid Head. It's the most accessible design from. The fucking movie, right? Um,
1: it's only a small piece of the movie, but it is like it's the it's the, the
0: I, it's the most visually striking part of the movie, other than yeah. real world violence. Yeah, the real world violence will stick with you and be like, oh my god, that bottle scene. Yeah, or the torture scene, or whatever. But when you think about Pan's Labyrinth, you think about the Pale Man. I can't. Yep. I eyeballs also, in the hands. I I so you might not know this from just listening to this, but I also do 31 days of Halloween. And I think every year somebody asks me to do the pale man. Yep. And I don't build prosthetics for 31 days of Halloween. So it's really difficult for me to do the pale man. Stop asking me. I can't do it right. (laughs) So he has, it's so fascinating. When you just look at, let's just talk about the pale man for a second. He has no eyes on his skull so like
1: no sockets
0: no sockets it's just an an empty two nose holes and a big mouth with the tiniest teeth yep. and these this these jowls and just saggy so much saggy skin and jowls skin. yeah like so it's it's empty empty consumption yeah He's not getting the pale man gets nothing yeah. from this eating of children. He's not like
1: overweight or obese or anything like that. It's just flabby skin. He's
0: a skeleton. So the the, the frailty of fascism,
1: big old skin bag, is
0: only held up by the fear and threat of violence. Yeah, it's not like any. If you go back to the the stigmata bit, is that like you can only. See through these these injuries. You can only. It's like it's ugh. His whole his whole like corridor is red, deep, bloody red. All the food on his table is just bloody, but it's all fruit. Yeah. It's like wet fruit. Wet fruit. <laughs> and pies and 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 sugar and things like that. that yeah. I I I mean from a logical standpoint it doesn't make sense why ophelia eats the giant grapes that she does but she does
1: well and i think also part of that again just sort of the fairy tale nature of things she has to she has to and i think that there might have been some form of supernatural compulsion mm-hmm. occurring from the pale man so it's oh absolutely more, so more so than just like she made this decision to eat the food. It's by entering that room, you're going to have a hard time leaving without a severe temptation that you have to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. And she is a child.
0: Right, and she's a child. At the end of the day, she is a child.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, When they had... I think it was at Cannes. Cannes. But it might have been in a different showing. Guillermo del Toro was sitting next to Stephen King. Mm -hmm. And... He watched Stephen King squirm through the Pale Man sequence. And he was like, that's better than winning an Oscar. I could stop right there. Nice. Made the king of horror uncomfortable. Yeah. So I did it. Yeah. And then he did win an Oscar. Good for him. Yep. Um, fishy romance. Uh, <laughs> I never liked the toad task myself.
1: Yeah. It's a bit odd.
0: It's very Hans Christian Anderseny for me, but gross. Yeah, maybe it's the whole belching sequence that I don't like. I think I could, if they, if that was gone, I would have been much more on board.
1: I thought the toad was going to talk to her. That's fair. I thought there was going to be some like telekinesis.
0: And I think if the movie were more Ophelia centric, there would have been more of that. Yeah. People trying to, like, this toad trying to convince her or something that, like, this yeah. is my home. I'm providing for my children or, like, yeah. trying to trick her into. Exactly. But it's just a toad. It's just a big old toad that the tree is already dead. Yeah. That tree is.
1: Tree was really. Way dead. Tree was struggling.
0: This is way dead.
1: But she got the key. She
0: did. Out of the slime ball,
1: out of the stomach that was the, the entire enti- interior of the toad.
0: Right. I won't I won't break down the symbology of the toad. Because I don't understand. But it doesn't. Like that you're eating the roots of the tr- Whatever. It doesn't matter. Pale man's where it's at. The fawn is a curious character.
1: Well, I think the toad is the destruction of nature. It's a, par- yeah. it's a parasite. And it's something that it, it looks like it belongs.
0: She does say, and this is really interesting. She does say, aren't you ashamed? Yeah. Living under this tree, killing this tree, and just eating bugs. Aren't you ashamed? Yeah. Which I think is a very odd choice. Yeah. I don't think a child would say that to a toad under a tree.
1: But it's like, it's killing the tree Mm -hmm. by living under it Mm -hmm. and sort of uh, using it to the point, you know, to to its own destruction. Mm Mm-hmm which
0: selfishly selfish needs overcoming or, or overtaking fa- fascism yeah
1: living under the blood sweat and tears of people who can't do anything about your presence
0: mm-hmm. which we see later yeah Um. in that third task she just didn't know what she was what she was meant to fail that's the point is that she was supposed to choose herself
1: Yes, always.
0: There's okay, so there's a theory that the Faun says early when he meets Ophelia like we've tried this and lots of girls have failed. So there's uh... a theory that Mercedes was tried as a maybe a vessel for the princess's soul. Okay. And she still has her brother that she cares about. But the only thing that really lends that super credence is all that Mercedes has to figure out where Ophelia is at the end is the chalk door.
1: Yep, but she knows exactly. And she where goes she straight is. to the she goes straight yeah. to the labyrinth. Yeah. But where at what point did she fail?
0: Probably when she was asked to kill her brother.
1: But there was no there was no one there to take her blood. Yes. Gotcha. Hmm. That's interesting.
0: Mm.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say that they've tried many princesses before, but they all did sacrifice their brother, and therefore failed. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like okay, take the baby. Yeah, or the toddler.
1: Yeah, or whatever. Whatever the innocent yeah. is. Um. Yeah yeah i had something what was it i don't know it left my brain was it a
0: key was it a toad
1: no it wasn't either was was it the fact that the hourglass moves faster oh my god that hourglass moves so fast and then i feel like again that was sort of a myth mythical aspect where it was like because at one point as the sand was flowing out and filling up Mm -hmm. the under one Mm -hmm. the under one was so full already that if the sand that remained in the upper one actually did all go through, it would overflow mm-hmm. the lower one, and I was like, "Okay, so you're just hanging out, mm-hmm. cool, cool, and i I wonder how intentional that was I have to I feel like it had to have been, yeah, um, just to make it look you know either it was always going to run out mm-hmm. when she got to the door mm-hmm. or it's just a fantastical thing and as, as the viewer you will never know when it's actually going to run out yeah
0: it's magic time
1: magic time
0: um on the flippity flop on the flippity flop out of the fantastical side through my repeated viewings of this movie the more and more i notice how little everyone around the captain on the fascist side actually wants to be doing what they're doing.
1: Oh yeah. They all look so unsure. It's
0: like he has this dinner party with all these people. And the, the, these two women that he invites are just mean to his wife, but it's not like Nazi sympathizer women that you see. Yeah. They're just mean to his wife, probably because he's handsome and they wanted to marry him or whatever. Yeah, Jealousy. But the men at the table like, say to the captain, oh, you probably, you, nobody wants to be here.
1: Yeah. And he's like, no, no, and he's no. he's like,
0: no, I want to be
1: here. We all want to be here.
0: And, and they're like, okay.
1: Yeah. And when he does, like, really violent shit in front of his men, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, my God. Oh, God.
0: Jesus.
1: And you can see them not, they're not down.
0: No. Yeah, he's definitely he's he is he's an unhinged man,
1: evil incarnate,
0: evil incarnate, fastidious, yeah. unhinged. Yeah, likes everything just so. Yes, maybe a touch of the tism because he has the same routine every day.
1: He really does. He's
0: like, I am going to put on this record, and I am going to shave my face. And uh, the coffee is burnt. I didn't like that. It should be the same every day. Yep. Here we go. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's a really pretty movie. It's very pretty, especially for the time. Like there are scenes that you can tell it's
1: a, a little dated. It's a
0: little dated now, uh, visually. Yeah, the it's nighttime, so it's blue, but not the artful blue. Like we we had a chat about the lighting the first time that you see Ophelia get into bed with her mom. Um, and how deeply saturated blue it was. Yeah. But the real world blue night, um, no. Not I don't, great. Not great.
1: No. Um, no. It almost has that effect of like they didn't put a filter over their camera in the bright sunlight. So yeah. everything looks stormy kind of a thing. Yeah. It's that kind of blue. Yeah. It's weird.
0: But... I mean, if you consider that the budget is so astoundingly low for the product that we get,
1: yeah no, no it's that's definitely a again a dated criticism, not a like this movie is bad criticism or yeah. poorly shot, yeah, it's just one of those things that didn't really hold up
0: Mm-mm.
1: you know cinematically, no um.
0: The little CGI that is used in this movie is a little dated but not so dated that you can go oh god.
1: Yeah, and it's so it's so it's used so sparingly.
0: That's why I love I love a mix of practical and CGI. Yeah. Like Doug Jones is wearing a full suit. The only thing that is removed is the the leg bit in between to his create stilts. that hinge
1: that's impossible. Yeah.
0: Um but
1: and the face,
0: a little, not much.
1: Like the mouth and the... that's his mouth. Oh.
0: So I told Scott this while we were watching it is that that the the voice of the fawn is not Doug Jones. Once again, poor man is dubbed like he was the yeah. first time that he played Abe and uh, Hellboy. But <laughs> god damn it. um but that's because he doesn't speak Spanish. But he had to learn all of his lines and all of Ophelia's lines because he doesn't speak Spanish. So he didn't know when to go. Right. So he's wearing an earpiece to hear. Yeah. Um and so he memorized the whole fucking thing. But that's him talk that's his mouth. Gotcha. Um is the eyes are
1: The eyes are CG. The
0: eyes yeah. Those horns cost uh, cost way 10 pounds. Jesus. That was the heaviest part. They had to be put on last. But They love not letting Doug Jones see. <laughs> <laughs> like figure it out, man. Yeah. Do your <laughs> thing. <laughs> I love the character of the fawn. I I love it. It's so wonderfully ambiguous. He's dangerous, he's scary but also like enchanting it's a perfect fairy tale character to me
1: it is and like it's so funny how everything seems so evil and dark until the final to blow where she passes the test Mhm. And then the underworld is these bright autumn colors Mm -hmm. and the fawn comes out and his posture is totally different and Mm -hmm. his tone is totally different. And the fairies are making happier chirping noises instead of this really grating, clicking sound. Like, it's fascinating. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah, like... I don't know. It's it's So it's, it's such it's such a nice little thing is that this like fairy tales can be dark and scary. Mhm. Especially a character of a fawn. It's like this m- mischievous kind of
1: Yeah. It's a great interpretation of it. You don't know
0: it. what their motivations are. No. And you see even there's another thing. Mercedes says at the beginning, my mother warned me to stay away from fawns. Yeah. And not, fawns aren't real. Shut up. You're a child. Oh, like I remember what I wanted does. to bring up. Okay. Mandrake. The mandrake. Talk about it. It's
1: just gross. The whole concept <laughs> of that is gross. It's a really cool fact. Um, fawn tells her to so that her mother will do better through the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. To take a mandrake root, place it in a bowl of fresh milk, put it under her bed, and feed it two drops of blood every day. Mm-hmm. And mandrakes are their roots look like people. Dead people. <gasps> um. And so they. When she gives it the little blood and puts it in the milk, it, like, uncurls and starts, like, stretching and squirming around like a little baby and making little mewling noises. Um <laughs> But then when the captain finds it later, it's obviously been there for a bit, and the milk has... Soured. Soured. Mm-hmm. And when he pulls the mandrake out of the bowl, it had rooted mm-hmm. into the bowl. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it was those little touches that just made it, like, that much more gross and weird and, like, also is that, like, it gives credence to her her experiences with the fantastical world and...
0: She also receives magical objects, not to derail this, I'll come back to the mandrake in just a second. No, please. But she receives magical objects from the fawn. A satchel that has fairies in it. The book. And the book, which are visible and seen...
1: In the real world. In
0: the real world.
1: But are they? Are they seen by someone other than Ophelia?
0: We don't know. We don't see their point of view until the end. Right.
1: That's all I'm saying. Because when... The captain comes around the corner at the end, and Ophelia. But he
0: sees the mandrake that she got from the fawn.
1: It, she yes, exactly. That's the only thing. And when they burn the mandrake, Ophelia's mom automatically goes into goes labor. downhill.
0: Yeah. So we don't. I don't, we don't know if her mom saw the baby mandrake thing burn and squeal and.
1: No, we just know that she immediately went into labor and died.
0: Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Her mom dies in like, Because he kills the doctor that probably would have saved her. Yeah. They so it's the other plot.
1: <laughs> the espionage of the doctor and Mercedes. Mercedes.
0: We're trying to help the resistance. Because, because
1: Mercedes brother is leading the resistance yeah, in her area.
0: Yeah. And the doctor's just opposed to fascism. Yeah. And it's just been apparently I think he's, you know, the local doctor, and has just been roped into working for the fascists. Yeah, in this what the mill. fuck
1: else are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, um, and these benevolent, good-hearted people trying to operate under this man.
1: Yeah, this fascist little town lord. God. Yeah.
0: Ugh. Um, but. The they capture one of the boys, the men, the resistance men, the who has unfortunately has a a stutter. Yep. Um, and they torture him mercilessly. It's horrific. It's terrible. And the doctor sees him, and the, this poor, I'm gonna say boy because he he looks like a scared little boy. Yeah. To me. Um, it's like I talked just a little bit, but I talked, and I'm sorry. Please just kill me. Yeah. And so the doctor does.
1: Yep. Um, and then the captain comes in and is like, why did not you do that? Why didn't you obey me?
0: And he's like, I. that's your thing, my guy. I don't. You're, <laughs> you're the follow orders no matter what, guy.
1: That's not me. That's not most people. Right. And then the captain shoots him Yeah. in the back.
0: Right as he...
1: And then right uh, after he dies, <laughs> they then, come out and they're like, hey, your wife went into labor. <laughs> and he says, get me... The, the paramedic. The, the paramedic, paramedic. The field paramedic. Not, which I feel like in this small little community, the smart decision would have been, bring me a farmer. Mm-hmm. Bring me a cattle farmer. Mm-hmm. Bring me someone who births animals. Yeah. For a living. For a livelihood. Yeah. That has to do this probably a couple times a year.
0: Which I don't know if he would have had a problem with since he's such a violent misogynist. Yeah. He would have no problem being like oh you take care of animals take care of my wife
1: right but it just seems like the smarter but again as we said <laughs> all of those people might be dead all of those people might be dead so maybe the paramedic genuinely is all that's left all that's left
0: who is like i have no idea what and he's
1: like are. i'm trained to stitch up wounds and hack off limbs and kill but, kill people kill who people... who are definitely gonna die right I Maybe. don't know anything yeah. about childbirth. I
0: don't know anything about birth and babies. No, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> poor Ophelia. Uh, the captain is so misogynistic. It's painful. Uh, but it is his part of his downfall. And Mercedes says it to him later. But uh, yes, one true. of the things I got to point out to Scott on this watch was that uh, when Ophelia and her mother... Arrive, he greets them with "Bienvenidos." Yep, um, meaning which he's is only greeting, greeting. Yeah, it's he's only greeting his unborn son. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit about her. Yeah, or yeah. Ophelia. Yeah, just my boy. Welcome, so, my boy. Welcome, my unborn my boy. boy.
1: And that do- the doctor has a moment with him where he's like, "How do you know it's going to be a boy?" And he's like, "Don't fuck with me." Don't fuck with me. Of course it's going to be a boy.
0: Should have been a girl. Just for...
1: I thought that like I thought that would have been a great twist. But
0: now that he would have killed that baby. Yeah. Immediately.
1: It wouldn't have lived. Hey, so what's your favorite shot from this movie?
0: Oh, no. Oh, I already you already know. You already know I already <laughs> told you. I went like, "What? I got to pick one." Oh, I I know it. I said it. It's so Mercedes gets the upper hand on the captain when she gets you know found out that she's been helping the resistance and she's about to get tortured with his little spiel. She has this little paring knife and stabs him like three times, which it goes unaddressed, and then cuts his mouth open in a half of a Glasgow smile and so he goes back to his little autism watch room and sews his mouth back up. And that's not my favorite shot. My favorite shot is he hit, I mean this man just shots a tequila like it's fucking water. Um, he does a shot of tequila and it spills out through the open holes in his newly stitched up cheek and it's my favorite fucking thing.
1: But the the great thing about it is that the holes aren't visible. No. It's it's, it's ban- band it's bandaged. And so he takes the shot And then the bandage fills up with a bloody, yellowy liquid Mm -hmm. like tequila that has just passed through a wound Mm -hmm. and stains the bandage.
0: Yep. It's my favorite thing. And soaks it. It's my favorite thing. It's a good touch. It's so nice. And what I've always loved about Guillermo del Toro's movies is that the violence does feel and look real. Yes. The graphic nature of things. And especially... In 2007, 2006, it was, it's so, it was so refreshing for me as somebody who does special effects makeup to see the human body react to violence the way that it would. Now, as a much older person now, I have wandered at uh, the ethics of showing realistic violence Mm -hmm. on screen. Given the state of um, the world, everything, but for now, for this time being, being that it is still very rare, I to appreciate see. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there it is. There it is. Pan's labyrinth.
1: Pan's labyrinth. Labyrinth of the fawn. The
0: labyrinth of the fawn. Do you do you, do you have any more things or do you want me to do you want me to questionnaire you?
1: Let's questionnaire it.
0: Okay, well let me find my phone so I can find my questionnaire. <laughs> Maybe think of something to say while I look for this fucking phone.
1: Um so Oh, that's your phone. <laughs> there it is. Um Yeah, I'm thinking about things to say like Nope.
0: I got it. It's fine. So, Scott Keel. Yeah. what would you give the story of Pan's Labyrinth one out of ten? What would I give the story
1: of Pan's labyrinth one out of ten? I give it an eight An eight.
0: Mm-hmm. Why? I think I think it I think eight is fair. because I, I wanted... think
1: that it's, I think that it's creative mm-hmm. and innovative. But not perfect.
0: Okay. Do you think if he rewrote it or did it now, it would be more perfect
1: or less perfect? I don't know. I I don't... I'm not 100% sure. Because I don't know what needs to change to make it better either. Mm. Like, it's not like I have critiques ready for how it could be better. I just know that, like... The story itself doesn't one hundred percent vibe with me.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um I mean there's two options. Either go more war or, or more, more uh, fantasy. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm not sure.
0: I do think he's more streamlined now than mm-hmm. he used to be when you if you just look at the shape of water.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Like Or Pinocchio. There's fascism in Pinocchio, but
1: it's not the prevalent. It's not yeah, it's not the, the it's the not thing. The, the it doesn't take up half the movie.
0: No, it's just there. It's there the whole time. Yeah. But it's not like a side story. Yeah. Um, what would you give the cinematography one out of 10?
1: Um I think I would also give the cinematography an 8. Okay. Yeah, I think that it's really good. I think there are some incredible shots.
0: Very, yeah, very beautiful, iconic. Very shots. beautiful.
1: Yeah. Um, impact one out of ten. That I'm less certain of. I feel like the impact is pretty fucking high, but I don't know how high. Like it's definitely above a six.
0: Mhm. But it might just be six.
1: Yeah, I just don't know. I
0: don't think I know. I mean, I know a lot of people who have seen it, but not a lot of people who have seen it. You know what I mean? And I don't feel
1: like it revolutionized filmmaking Mm -mm. either. You know what I mean? Like, I think some cool things were done, but I don't think that it was anything that was like, that wasn't being done already.
0: Right, we didn't see a a new trend take off. Yeah. Or anything like that.
1: Cinema didn't change following this movie. It just kind of happened, and it was crazy. I think
0: it cemented, Guillermo del Toro as... A filmmaker. A filmmaker, and so we got to see more... Yeah. ...and bigger.
1: But I don't think that it necessarily had an impact in terms of, like, it didn't change the role of politics. Mm -hmm. It didn't change the film industry. Right. It didn't revolutionize any aspect of the film industry that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. It didn't uh, change how we view storytelling. Despite all of its really... Cool, innovative things. It didn't. None of it really caught as a result of this movie that I'm aware of. Yeah. So. Fair. Six. Six.
0: What would you give the editing one out of ten?
1: I mean, I'd probably give the editing like a nine. Yeah. It's clean.
0: It is clean. It's really clean. There's, you know, I think there's some really well timed cutaways.
1: Yeah. or lingers it's yeah. like everything takes all the choices yeah
0: all the choices
1: just thinking about sawing the saw going into the leg like but you don't
0: see the leg being sawed off you just no, get you, enough of it to you, go you see oh, you
1: see the saw go no! in on that first cut forward and then it cuts away and that's all you, you don't get him screaming or acknowledging the pain you know it's coming you know what mm-hmm. happens next mm-hmm. but it cuts away but it gives you just enough and that's in the 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 decision making there is is really impeccable, mm-hmm. and yeah. a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the cuts and and sequences are just really well put together. I agree. Yeah,
0: especially in times when you want to look away, it's like it doesn't let you. Yeah, it either doesn't let you, or when you're like, ooh, because you do see the gangrenous leg. Yeah. Ahead of time, and you're kind of it's that kind of gross. Like, oh, I want to see yeah are you gonna cut it you get 'cause you're you're almost desensitized to the extreme violence at that point,
1: yeah, I guess I just Oof. well
0: after the bottle scene,
1: yeah, but still if that if that saw had pulled back and the camera d- and it didn't cut away, i don't know that I would have been able to handle it That's fair, it's, it's gross, so gnarly it's bad
0: uh, is this movie scary no, that's fair, no. think fascism is scary but i don't think this movie is scary yeah um is this movie iconic yes absolutely absolutely would you watch this movie again yeah 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 i i of course would i've been watching it since two thousand. you will definitely
1: watch it again yeah I, i will i will watch it again
0: um i can only think of one other movie that i would watch for that for the sugar plum fairy is there anything that you can think of that you would Suggest for the subject of the Sugar Plum Fairy. I don't think so. Okay. No. I so we talked about it in the last episode. Is if you wanted another Guillermo del Toro movie that is more in line
1: with fairies, with 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 interactive fairies, Tooth Fairy. I, yeah. Tooth
0: Fairy. She's a Tooth Fairy. Uh, she's got she, no. she is the sugar plum fairy but her face is full of teeth okay
1: so so really we should have watched that
0: yeah we should have but i wanted to watch pan's labyrinth fair enough <sighs> god come on uh don't don't be afraid of the dark
1: don't be afraid of the dark um it's okay
0: just don't be afraid of the dark so the last question on our questionnaire yeah Would you be worried if this was our chosen scenario for Cabin in the Woods?
1: So, I've thought about this. Okay. What is the chosen scenario?
0: It's difficult because it's not a direct one-to-one.
1: Like, is the chosen scenario the fawn? Or the pale man?
0: I think it'd be the Sugar Plum Fairy. Which is... But we don't know what that... So, just a world of Guillermo del Toro's making. Ah. Uh. I'm not sure. It's hard to say if it would be a scenario where...
1: Because I feel like... In terms of... Especially in terms of the characters that exist in this movie... They are vulnerable creatures. Mm -hmm. They are mortal. Mm -hmm. And they don't seem like... The pale man eats children and Mm -hmm. preys on children. Mm -hmm. The fawn is scary to a child. Mm -hmm. But the fawn is also brittle. Yeah. So like...
0: I try to think about other Guillermo del Toro. Such as... Well like was it the angel of death in Hellboy and the Golden Army or I haven't watched the Hellboy movies? You haven't watched the Hellboy movies? Mm-mm. Oh my god. Okay. Uh ah! um you didn't like Pinocchio's. I
1: and the monster from Shape of Water. Fishman is just sexy. Yeah, he'd, he'd fuck just... us up though. He'd fuck us. Oh.
0: He'd fuck you up. Yeah. He'd eat my cats. Yeah. But then I'd probably have sex with him. Probably. He likes eggs. I don't. And cats. And cats.
1: My boys. So I don't know. I don't know. It. It. That's kind of a coin toss. I.
0: It's like, or are we in a like in this world? Because I'd be worried if we were in this world because it's. Oh, war.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. The fascism is 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 the... But it's not. Sugar Plum Fairy. Yeah. So, I don't know.
0: Maybe we should have watched Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Because I'm kind of scared of those motherfuckers.
1: In Don't Be Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Like, well, that says something.
0: Well, I just think they're creeped out by them. I'm not, like, petrified. I'm just like, ugh they're little they're little creeps they want teeth yeah they want to steal kids teeth yeah and they
1: but again it's kids they're going after kids
0: they all speak in a collective whisper
1: that sounds awful
0: they kill adults and don't be afraid of the dark okay kill them so like but the the whisper thing it'll get you 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 and they're all talking so like it'll collectively get loud enough so you can hear one sentence, but they're all
1: talking. Wow. No thank you.
0: It's very scary. Anyway. <laughs> that was it. We watched Pan's Labyrinth. We it's did. A very serious episode of
1: Yeah. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk.
0: Thank you for coming to our TED Talk.
1: Hope you learned something. Maybe.
0: I don't know. Or I just babbled a bunch of nonsense.
1: For... I I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: Well, Scott enjoyed it, so the rest of you should as well.
1: Fuck y'all if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: next episode of the Kit Waku. Kit
1: Waku. Um,
0: We're still on the whiteboard. Do you know where we're going? Do you remember? No. The next subject on the whiteboard is the fan favorite, the Merman.
1: Merman. 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 So we're watching Zoolander.
0: No, we're watching... No, don't get your hopes up. No, we're gonna watch Creature from the Black Lagoon. Boo. Fuck off. It's a historic thing for women. It's feminism. Um,
1: Feminine. I was saying boo to not watching Zoolander. I'm
0: sorry. We can watch Zoolander for fun.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
0: But we can't talk about it on the podcast because it's not spooky. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Next week. Next week. Next week. It will not be that Kit Waku episode because somebody has a birthday.
1: Yeah. Somebody's got a birthday. Yeah.
0: So we're gonna watch Scott's favorite thing. One of Scott's favorite things. One of my
1: favorite things. Probably it's it's top, it's it's top tier horror. For scott
0: yeah i don't know if it, I, I know a lot of movies uh, horror movies that would break your top 10 yeah but not a lot but i know of you know some. 10 of them <laughs> <I'll pinch laughs> <you>. uh, <laughs> god damn it but no i i told scott because for my birthday we watched Shaun of the dead yeah uh, i told him because he is the co-host of the Spooky Theater Day. Speaky Day. Or at least the, the Kitwaku, which is the bulk of our episodes yes. right now. Yes. Uh, that for his birthday, we could watch uh, a movie of his choosing. And he chose...
1: Devil's Advocate. Fucking A. Devil's Advocate. We're
0: gonna watch... So next week, we're going to watch Devil's Advocate.
1: She sounds so unhappy about it.
0: I'm so stoked.
1: I love The Devil's Advocate.
0: Scott loves, he loves devil shit. Why do you like devil shit so much?
1: I'm a fucking demon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I think growing up I just... Uh... Are you the devil? No, but I was raised Presbyterian mm-hmm. and had a lot of questions about Christian mythology and iconography and what have you and uh yeah demon shit's always kind of freaked me out so mm. been into the demon horror stuff
0: so we're going to watch Devil's Advocate for Scott's birthday yeah Scott's birthday epi
1: um epi. epi
0: that's all i have for today though i think i think i've ted talked it out of ted mosby did <laughs> That was just for you. Anyway,
1: Ted, Ted Mosby would give a TED talk.
0: Are you kidding?
1: Yeah, he became a college professor.
0: It's so all he does is TED talks. <laughs> there were three extra seasons of just <sighs> TED talking. TED talks. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about how I made. <laughs> yeah. So that was it that's That's one of my favorite movies, Pan's Lath, that I finagled into the Kitwaku. well done, yep, I did it me yay, so stay safe, oh wait, don't stay safe just yet okay, stay dangerous stay dangerous um, follow at spooky Saturday on instagram <gasps> and and share it with people yes and let us know in the comments on the instagram yes. What what you like and what you don't like. But like maybe less of that. Talk to us. Talk to us. Please. Tell us things. We want to hear from you.
1: Let us know if we're doing a terrible job.
0: Please. Because we'll stop.
1: Yeah. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just stop doing it. We'll just stop doing it. <laughs> or tell us that you really like it. And then we'll
0: keep doing it. Maybe. Maybe.
1: <laughs> God damn it. But now. Tell us, tell us your thoughts.
0: Tell us your thoughts. But. Hi, Shanks. Tabletop terrorist. Tabletop um, terrorist. So, yeah, we, we so enjoy spending Saturdays with you. I hope you enjoy spending a Saturday, a bit of Saturday with us. A bit of Saturday. A bit of Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It is too late for me to try to do accents. Um, Stay safe. Stay hydrated. And as always stay spooky, everybody. We'll see you next Saturday for the Devil's Advocate.
1: Devil's Advocate!
0: Goodbye! Oh boy. Bye-bye! Bye-bye!